0: I'm Jim Derrick, and welcome to a special edition of Chapters. On today's program, we're going to explore this season of Hanukkah with the Rabbi Thomas Alpert. Tom will speak with us about the origins of Hanukkah, the meaning behind this sacred holiday, and the traditions that go along with its celebration. All that and much more coming up next on Chapters. My name is Jim Derrick, and welcome to another edition of Chapters. Today we have a very special guest in studio. We have Rabbi Thomas Alpert, who is with us from Temple Etz Chaim. And I got that right. He's nodding to me. You did. That's great. I feel good about that. Um, We are here to talk about the celebration of the season that we are in. Uh, We are in the season of Hanukkah. And this is the third night tonight? Tonight
1: is the third night.
0: Tonight is the third night. Fantastic. We have invited Rabbi Alpert here, who has been gracious to come down to the studio, because uh, in the middle of the season, I I thought it would be a perfect time for us to gain a deeper understanding, those of us that don't know, uh, about the traditions of Hanukkah, to learn about its uh, origins, and to learn about uh, the grand celebration of light that, that Hanukkah is. So thanks again for being here. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about the origins of Hanukkah?
1: Sure. But first of all, let me say thank you so much, Jim, for having me here. I'm uh, thrilled to be talking to you and to those who are going to be listening to this broadcast. And um, it's just a pleasure for me to have a chance. to Thank you. Okay. The origins of Hanukkah. So um, about 2200 years ago, um, the... Land that's now Israel was ruled by the descendants, uh, the the successors of Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. Um, And in particular, uh, these successors, these Greeks, were based up in Syria. So they're sometimes called the Syrian Greeks. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Um, and... One of their leader, the, the the leader at one point was a king named uh, Antiochus or Antiochus, depending on which pronunciation you prefer, mm-hmm. and uh, he came up with a decree that said that everyone needed to worship him and that his statue needed to be in all houses of worship, anywhere under his, uh, his rule. Um, and... There were some uh, Jews who went along with us and had been supporters of his and had gotten, you know, uh, positions of power. But many, many people found this deeply troubling because, after all, in Judaism, we believe that the only God you worship is God um, and that you aren't allowed to worship um, uh, people and you're certainly not allowed to worship uh, some you know, some Greek king. Sure. Uh, or to bow down to him or to have his statue there. And so um, a priest uh, the in the temple by the name of Mattathias uh, decided to take matters into his own hand and started to fight back. And his children uh, became his generals, and uh, in particular uh, one by the name of Judah uh turned out to be uh, an effective general, so effective that he was called Judah the Hammer, or in Hebrew, Judah Maccabee. Wow, okay. And that's where the name Maccabees comes from. that's where the Maccabees from. came yes. from. Okay. Right. Interesting. Um, as we like to say, he hammered the Greeks. Right. Uh, and so even though this was a very tiny, you know, trivial province in uh, in uh, uh, Antiochus' uh, uh, kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, with no chance against what was regarded as the greatest army of the world at its time, they did have a chance, and they came back, and they fought, and they managed to defeat the uh, the, the Syrian Greeks.
0: So this would be the Maccabean Jews. This says, would be it. the
1: Maccabean Jews, right? right? And this is called historians call this the Maccabean Revolt, Got it. and um, so and they won, and they. Took back the temple in Jerusalem, which had been taken over for uh, pagan rites and uh, had been, you know, and had been desecrated in all kinds of ways. Um, and they reconquered it and uh, created a, a, you know, an independent uh, Jewish state, which was the last independent Jewish state until Israel came mm-hmm. about in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's the core historical story. Then there's another story that the rabbis added. Oh, Several, really? Okay. Yes. So a few hundred years later, the uh, in the Talmud, the book of uh, the major book of uh, rabbinic Jewish understanding. Yes. Um, they have this discussion and somebody says something about uh, oh it's just like Hanukkah and someone says, "Oh, so tell me all about Hanukkah." And they have this little explanation that goes back and then they tell the story. Of the lights, and the story of the lights goes like this: When the Maccabees retook the temple, they wanted to light the menorah, which was the seven-branched candelabrum that was lit and and you know it was uh, kept going uh, in the temple, sort of permanently. Sure, and, kind of an eternal light. Right. Yeah. So the seven-branched candelabrum was there. Um, But it needed, you know, you couldn't just use any oil. You needed special holy oil. And the problem was that they only found enough for one night. And it was going to take a week because you couldn't produce part of the test for producing holy oil. Was that you couldn't have anything to do with bloodshed, right? And of course, right. all of these people had just come out of a war, yes. So it's going to take a week before any of them were themselves ritually pure enough. And this is pressing olive oil, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. So they, so it was going to take a week before you could get ritually pure oil, mm-hmm. olive oil. Yep. So they had this this jar that was going to last for one night, and they said, "All right, look." Um, Better one night than none. Mm-hmm. So they lit the 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 lamp. They lit the menorah, and the oil lasted for eight days. Right. And so ever since then, say the rabbis, there's been a tradition that we keep Hanukkah for eight days, and we light a menorah that has actually nine branches: eight eight for the eight days, and one for a, a helper to light the, the, the helper other candles. candle, which right. which lights all the other candles. Right. right. In, in Hebrew, mm-hmm. called the shamash. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, keep that in memory of that miracle. So it's really two—so there are two parts of Hanukkah then. There's the story of the rebellion, of the, the weak against the strong, and the story of the miracle of light. Sure, so, sure. And, and that light
0: represented at the time a, a dedication, a rededication yes. of the temple?
1: So the word Hanukkah means dedication. Mm-hmm. And part of it was that, as I said, the temple had been desecrated, had been used as a pagan uh, shrine um, is you know uh, Jews don't eat pork and uh, there was you know all kinds of pig stuff scattered around the temple as a way of uh, sort of sticking it to the Jewish people by doing this so they had to clean all that up physically they had to sort of uh, get it ready spiritually and to 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 rededicate the temple to its purposes of worshiping God right right and so uh, Hanukkah is the the festival of Literally dedication, but in in context, rededication.
0: Sure, sure. I want to remind our listeners: we are speaking with uh, Rabbi Tom Alpert. Uh, we are talking about uh, Hanukkah and learning about its origins, and also celebrating with everybody out there that is celebrating Hanukkah. We want to wish you all a happy Hanukkah during this season. Um, rabbi Albert um, I read some other things that were that really interested me about uh, the tradition and <clears throat> one in particular was that you are uh, instructed I believe might be that may be too mm-hmm. strong of a word but to display the menorah prominently in your home preferably mm-hmm. in a window or somewhere where uh, others can see would that be because at the time uh, Jews were being were being forbidden from or attempted to be forbidden from practicing Judaism and it's
1: a time to display the fact that that we are practicing here or I I don't think that's so much and indeed there are dispensations for, for not having doing it if it's going to put your life at risk sure uh, which has been the case you know in much of our history it, it's more a sense that our goal is to increase the light in the world mm. I mean it's it's not Coincidental that Hanukkah takes place at the darkest time of the year. Right,
0: right. I think I misspoke. Um, I, I think I was wondering about the origins of that. where they? Were they? When they? Maybe the first few Hanukkahs were celebrated. But but you're saying that it is bringing light into the world. regardless. Right. I th- that's I, the intent.
1: That's exactly it. Right. Uh, right. Not. I'm not completely sure of the actual origins okay. of this. Yeah. But I. It's. It's. Uh, but the concept. I think that I think that concept of bringing light into the world probably was uh there from the beginning.
0: Right, right, right. What a great uh what a great thing. Now, some of the traditions of Hanukkah fascinated me. Um and that a lot of it is driven around food and yep. and there's a certain symbolism to that. Can you speak most, to
1: that? Most Jewish holidays are driven around food. Awesome.
0: <laughs> Fantastic.
1: <laughs> the, the there's a there's a joke Uh, among the Jewish people that uh, uh, almost all Jewish holidays can be summarized with the following uh, three sentences. They tried to kill us. They failed. Let's eat.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs)
1: We're we're believers in food. Great. But yes, there are traditions around food. So you remember we talked about the miracle of the oil. Yes. So the traditions around food are all centered around oil. Mm Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you would eat foods that are cooked in oil. Now, this therefore makes it a popular holiday because I know very few people who don't like fried foods. Right? We leave aside doctors. And (laughs) the uh, so, uh, and there are two particular fried foods that are especially associated with Hanukkah from different regions of Europe where Jews moved to in sure. Europe and, and the Mediterranean, where Jews moved to after they were expelled mm-hmm. from the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. In um, the southern regions, the regions really around the Mediterranean, in, in uh, southern Europe and North Africa and and the Middle East, um, the tradition was to make um, donuts, and specifically jelly donuts, called in Hebrew, sufganiyot. Sufganiyot. Yep. And, uh, so those were, uh, and so those were—and so if your tradition was from that part of the world, that was your Hanukkah memory. Mm-hmm. For Jews in Central and Eastern Europe, um, in December, there's not a lot of fresh anything going around. Right, right. But there is one thing you tend to have in profusion, which were potatoes. Yes, yes. So the tradition there became to make potato pancakes called uh in Yiddish latkes and the uh and so these latkes are, you know, potato pancakes uh, fried in oil mm-hmm. uh and uh, eaten uh, traditionally either with uh, jam or or applesauce and as we have become common here uh on the one hand, or if you didn't want sweets, with sour cream.
0: Wonderful, wonderful, boy! I'm getting hungry thinking about it. Mm, they're and yummy. This,
1: we, we just made some last night. Fantastic!
0: <laughs> and is this a nightly? Is there any? Is this a nightly uh, a tr- ritual?
1: Well, the rich. There is no official time for eating them, but on the other hand. If you have a chance to eat really yummy food and right. you can do it for eight nights, very most people will do it for eight nights. I'm in. <laughs>
0: I am in. I am in. Um, another question that comes up a lot uh, from those of us that are uninformed is why the holiday moves. Ah, so, and why doesn't it? Why isn't it just the twenty fifth?
1: <laughs> so here's the answer. Uh, you remember the theory of relativity, that I everything do. connects to everything else? Yes. Well, it's relative. It doesn't move from our perspective. Right, right. That is to say, uh, Judaism has a basically a lunar calendar. And uh, each month starts with a new moon, and it goes to the next new moon. And we fix the we connect up the, the lunar and the solar calendars by adding a leap month every so many years to to keep us in sync. So our fall holidays are in the fall and our winter holidays are in the winter and the like. Um, so there's a range that the the holiday can fall in compared to the secular calendar. Right, right. Which is a solar calendar. Right. The months really are arbitrary. They're not connected to the moon. Um, so The so Hanukkah falls on the starts on the twenty fifth of the month Hebrew month of Kislev, right? And that turns out to be sometime between late November and late December, and it varies anywhere within that month depending on. How the two calendars are in sync?
0: Sure, sure. But but one thing that doesn't vary are eight days. Yep. In all of the traditions that we just went through, that is that's invariable, right. and it's only varying by our calendar. Right. So exactly. It's only
1: varying by the by the comparison. If you, if you lived in a purely Jewish calendar world, sure. Sure. it's always the same time every yeah. year.
0: Yeah. You know, another thing that fascinated me was um, with all my Jewish friends in school, we would have the dreidel. And the dreidel was part of our classroom and and often... But we just thought it was a silly little song with no meaning. And I found out that that's not the case, uh, that there's real significance to the dreidel. All right. Can you talk to us about that?
1: So at one level, your initial reaction wasn't completely wrong. Because um, dreidels... So Hanukkah became fairly early on a children's holiday as well. Okay, yeah. And so uh, you would give chocolate coins. The, the Hebrew word for money is gelt. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, the Yiddish word for money is gelt. Yeah. And so you'd give this chocolate gelt to kids at Hanukkah. So it was like you'd give, you know, instead of giving a kid a quarter or something, you'd give them a little piece of uh, of chocolate money. Sure. Um, and you would do a little, you know, you're keeping the kids happy, so you do a little, it's a little gambling game. It's, it's uh, you, you spin the dreidel and different uh, and the different letters on it stood for, you know, did you win? Did you lose? How much did you win? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you have to throw some more coins in or some nuts or something? It was never serious gambling. Sure. Just, you know, little fun, fun game. Kid stuff. Fun right. game, yeah. But the letters that stood for all this also, as it happens, uh, stood for a Hebrew phrase. The, the letters, the Hebrew letters, Nun, Gimel. Uh, shin and hey. Okay. All right. And those could be the first letters of the words, Nes gadol haya sham, which means a great miracle happened there. Wonderful. And so when you see the dreidel, that's how it works. By the way, if you are in Israel, instead of th- the last hey is replaced with the letter fey, and it's Nesca, instead of Nesca Dol Hai, I'm sorry, the shin is replaced with the uh, with the Fay, And so instead of Nesca Dol Haiya Sham, it's Nesca Dol Haiya Po, which means instead of a great miracle happened there, a great miracle happened here.
0: I read that. That's fascinating. Yes, uh, fascinating. because
1: after all. There were it there where it happens.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I want to remind folks, we are speaking with uh, Rabbi Tom Alpert, and uh, we are wishing uh, everybody uh, that is celebrating Hanukkah uh, a very, very happy Hanukkah. Here we are recording today on the third day of, uh, of the eight-day Festival of Lights. Yep. Uh, and um, we've learned a, a great deal already. A couple of other things that I was always interested in as a young man, as a very, very young man, I was always jealous because there was gift giving on eight days. And I thought, my goodness, how can that possibly be that we're not converting to Judaism? Because I want a lot of presence um, so I, I'm just interested about the symbolism of giving gifts I've, I, I read some uh, I'm sure there's traditions that are all over the map mm-hmm. but I read that there's a particular um, significance in, in that uh, in gift giving and that they're not always enormous gifts and right. can you talk to us a little bit about that
1: tradition you know it's sort of funny um, as I said if you went to Europe a couple of hundred years ago it was a little kid the gifts were all little kid things when sure. you got to be and it was very small gifts and when yeah. you got to be older like you had outgrown that oh I don't need that I'm I'm not a baby anymore then you get to america and there's this other holiday just around the same time as hanukkah that's also associated with gifts that all of us ran into right right <laughs> and so the and so, as we Jews were looking at it, our actually major our major gift giving holiday was not Hanukkah. Interesting. Our major gift giving holiday was Purim, which is uh, in the late winter, um, and is about the bo- t- tells the story of the Book of Esther in the Bible. Right. Um, and there's a tradition of of bringing uh, gift baskets to people, and it's actually mentioned in the Book of Esther that you're supposed to bring gifts on Purim. So. That was actually the bigger one, but as I said, there was this Christmas thing, and and there was a kind of sense of, hey, you know, our kids are jealous of all this Christmas stuff. Sure, sure. So we're going to do, we're going to take the gifts around Hanukkah, and we're going to sort of blow it up a little bit. And it always been a tradition of giving gifts for all eight nights. So now it became not just little kid gifts, but real gifts. Sure. And then. Of course, like everything else, things went a little overboard and it got, it became way too much for a lot of people. And so we started to rethink, we still like the idea of giving gifts on each night, but instead of maybe always getting, you know, spending, your are spending everybody into the poorhouse for a bunch of things that nobody needs. None of my, no parent here will understand what I'm talking sounds about. Sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. Many of us decided that on particular nights uh, we would do such things as use that as a chance to uh, give money to people in need, so we'd give to a charity one Terrific. night, yeah. or um, have the kids make a homemade gift for their grandparents mm-hmm. that night, or mm-hmm. some other kind of thing where it's a sense that uh, um, we're, uh, you know, that we're trying to share as opposed to just worry about consumption.
0: And in, in, in honor the spirit of the holiday, right. which is bringing light to the world, Precise. not just within your home, <laughs> and to the children that are sitting around. Precisely. Yeah, what a, what a wonderful thing. Now, uh, traditionally, um, within the temple, do you have services around the Hanukkah, uh, specific services? Yes. Season.
1: So, um, the, in some synagogues, there's a tradition that—traditionally, Jews have— communal prayer three times a day not many of us don't actually do that for logistical reasons but when you do that uh the on the mornings of hanukkah um uh, there are special things that are done Mm -hmm. for those hanukkah mornings Mm -hmm. that are not done during the rest of the year so that's one thing but even in um uh even for those of us who don't do all those traditions, one thing we do do is make sure that there is a major service during Hanukkah that brings everyone in. So let me tell you what we do at our yeah, temple. Yeah. Because it's really lovely. Um, so this Friday night, today, we're taping this on a Thursday. Yes. So tomorrow. Yep. Uh, at 7 o'clock at our temple, we are um, going to have a Hanukkah service. We have a very large menorah, which uh, uh, people in our temple built, that is powered with, by uh Oil lamps and uh, is so large that it doesn't fit into the temple, so we do it outside. Oh, neat! And we go out and light these kerosene lamps. Yeah. Uh, and this car ke- and light this big menorah, uh, and we invite, by the way, the entire community. Anyone who wants to can come. Uh, it starts at seven o'clock, uh, and it uh, and. That we also encourage our congregants, everyone, to bring their own menorahs. And so we light all—we have a table where we light all these different menorahs. Everybody's got theirs going. It. Uh, it's just lovely.
0: That's wonderful, and 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 that literally is lighting up the world. And that
1: literally is lighting up the <laughs> yeah, world. Be yeah. very careful; it's safe, but yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, and and afterwards, we have great latkes for people to oh, eat fantastic. and sufganiyot, the yeah. the jelly donuts. So yeah. uh, it's really a special night, and it's a service very focused on families. It's a very uh, accessible uh, service.
0: Well, I'd really like to highlight this, Tom, because this will be airing. Uh, This is when it's airing is Friday, so that will be this
1: evening. And the time will be? The time will be 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. And the address? Is 900 Washington Street, in franklin 900 washington street
0: it's a wonderful place I, I, I was just there for dinner um and uh it's out in the woods and on yep. the uh, on the woody part of town uh so uh, i can just imagine and i i'm going to try to get there tomorrow evening with my great. son so i hope i'll see others in the community there and uh join our uh join the the, the folks over at the great temple for their uh menorah lighting um interestingly to me tom I found uh, in my research, and please correct me if I'm wrong, God knows I just started researching yesterday. You're doing a great job. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But it's interesting to me that this is not your highest holy day. Correct. Or
1: days, I should say. Season. Correct. Um, Hanukkah is, um, the technical term is it's a minor holiday, uh, and that term is fairly accurate. It is significant. I don't think Uh, that I want to suggest that it doesn't matter, but it certainly uh, does not take the place in Jewish thought that the High Holy Days, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which take place in the fall, or Passover, um, which takes place in the spring, uh, uh, occupy. Those are are our biggest days. Um, And of course, every Sabbath, every Shabbat, in a sense, is our biggest day. So Hanukkah Matters, uh, but it's not the Jewish Christmas. There is no Jewish Christmas. By definition. Right. <laughs> yes. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, it, it's very, very interesting. Nonetheless,
0: it's a joyous time of year. It is. It is um, taking place at what, uh, by the calendar is the darkest time of the year. Yep. It's bringing light out into the community. And uh, uh, once again, I hope people will join us uh, over at the temple to, uh, tonight at 7 o'clock.
1: Yes, tonight at 7. And let me tell one little story Please. about Hanukkah. Um, so, as I mentioned, we light uh, eight candles. Yes. But we don't do light eight candles every night. Right. The first night we light one, and the second night we light two, and so on until we get up to eight. Well, there was a debate that uh, is recorded among rabbis. What's the right way to light candles? Should we light them from one to eight, or eight down to one? Um, and they went and made arguments back and forth. And the clinching argument for lighting them from one to eight was, in matters of holiness, we always increase from you know, scarcity is, to abundance. Exactly. So we want to increase holiness. And my hope for all of our listeners this Hanukkah is that the holiness that we feel in our world and the holiness that we bring to our world will increase every single day. Well,
0: that's a wonderful, wonderful way to, uh, to wrap this up and to wish everyone a very, very happy Hanukkah. I hope to see everybody tonight at Temple Etz Haim at 7 o'clock, 900 Washington Street in Franklin. Uh, It is open to the public. Uh, Everyone's welcome to watch the grand lighting of the menorahs, menorahs plural, and to have some potato latkes. Please join us. Please join us. Wonderful. Rabbi, thanks again for coming in.
1: Jim, I'm glad to be here again.
0: For Rabbi Alpert, I'm Jim Derrick saying thanks very much for listening.